find the baller. My life is more than money and jewelry. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from playing sports to exotic whips. Ain't gotta tell me, dog. I know I'm the shit behind the baller. My life is more than money and jewelry. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from music exec to this podcast. Now I finally feel at home at last. Behind the baller. Yo, what's good, everyone? My name is Ben Baller, not Ben Humble. You are now dialed into a brand new chart-topping episode of Behind the Baller Podcast. This is episode 116. Yo, we're about to get into the best episode I've recorded to date. No cap. 1,000% the most epic interview I've ever done in my show's history, and of course, we're going to get into the hobby. So check this out. I've been working on something for you guys for a while now. I wasn't sure when I was going to announce it, but this episode is too good and it makes too much sense not to share it here. Let me keep giving y'all some more free game and I'll tell you why. Ladies and gentlemen, Behind the Baller podcast has now partnered with Rally. Rally is a platform for buying and selling shares in collectible assets. Everything from cars, watches, sports memorabilia, and a lot of what you guys are passionate about is accessible. Or I should say accessible. Hear me out when I say this. Rally gives you access to invest in assets you believe in. This is what I'm eyeballing right now. It's coming soon, but damn. I had to give you guys a little bit of, just like a little notice, okay? They got a 09 Bowman Mike Trout rookie card, orange refractor, okay? I'm not sure what the shares are going to IPO for, but I think this might be a good bet. You can actually invest in all of this, and each offering is qualified by the SEC. Real deal shit. Fully legit. I hope you guys dig it, okay? And don't worry. I'll be giving out more free games soon. Might mess around and do my pick of the week on Rally. Now, it doesn't matter what platform you're on. Joinrally.com forward slash baller will bring you where you need to go. This is absolutely the future of collecting, and I want you all to be a part of it. Invest in what you know will make money. That's something that me and Gary V will be getting deeper into in this episode. We are the first podcast that they've reached out to because they know the BBP army is that strong. So show me some love by showing them love at joinrally.com forward slash baller. Now, <laughs> let's discuss really quickly about the stepchildren of the City of Angels. All right, look, man. There is only one L.A. basketball team in L.A., period, okay? When all these fucking clowns out here, like five, six, seven years ago, were on that Lob City wave, trust me, 90% of them weren't even fucking from here, all right? They weren't born and raised in L.A. They just saw something to jump on, okay? I've never, ever, ever, never in my entire life ever heard somebody say, oh, I'm going, yeah, I'm going to see the, you know, watch the L.A. team play. Or, or say something, L.A. I don't know not one. Besides Billy Crystal, and I don't fucking know Billy Crystal, I don't know one single Clippers fan, like for real. I'm sorry, you know what, let me take that back. 
I think Scooter Braun is like a fake fucking Clippers fan. I don't fucking know. I've seen him. You know, he got he got season tickets. But Adam and um, Ryan, Adam and Ryan Goldston are the only fucking Clippers fans I know. And I've only known them for like 13 years. So I don't, I don't fucking know. Look, nobody in LA that I know that really reps LA is a fucking Clippers fan. Okay. So look, if you follow sports, then you've already heard it all. You've heard the slander. They got fucking destroyed. Okay. It could possibly be the biggest fucking flop, disappointment, just upset, you name it. They just were talking all that shit. Even ESPN, like I'm talking, I watched three hours of fucking shows from first taken on and they just went in and 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 in on these fucking whack-ass Clippers, okay? Just know, like Kawhi, bro, like, all that I'm mysterious and weird and shit and I don't smile, that shit is lame as fuck, all right? Don't give a fuck about all that bullshit, man, bro. It's like, come on, man. I'm not with none of that fuck shit. Nobody fucks with New Balance. No one was buying his fucking punk ass sneakers, okay? The last time anyone fucked with New Balance in regards to basketball was in the late 80s for James Worthy, who was a motherfucking Laker legend, okay? Old goofy ass, fake, humble, like, and then uh, Patrick Beverly. I can't stand that motherfucker. He like wants to be hated, but he just like, he just, you know what? Patrick Beverly, if there was a human version of all black Air Force Ones, that would be fucking him. And not even on the fucking like scary, you know, like like intimidating way. He's just fucking whack as fuck. Okay. Now, pandemic P. <laughs> Playoff P. Playoff P. Look, I told you guys here several times before the season even began that Paul George was bitch made, okay? He's from Palmdale. You need to call him Palmdale P, all right? He ain't from fucking LA. He's from the 661, all right? Canyon country, Canyon County, where the fuck it is. Look, he was selling wolf tickets about being a Laker fan this time on the third. He might've been, you know, who knows? But he's on that fucking bullshit. That fucking chasing a chip, chasing a fucking, you know what I'm saying? Like jumping ship to ship. That's lame as fuck. Just like Dame Dollar said, I told y'all, in the playoffs, I'm not, not Dame, me. I told you guys, and I said this on Twitter, I've said this many times. He is straight basura. In the playoffs, that motherfucker is not, no playoff, how the fuck you get playoff Pete from? He is trash. Them motherfuckers are ass, period. Everything else has already been said, but look, Doc Rivers is just, man, like, bro, I know the coach can't be blamed for everything, but you know what? He didn't make any motherfucking adjustments, period. You know, it's just, look, at fuck all the Clippers. Fuck their fandom. Fuck their front office. Fuck all of them. They need to go to Inglewood, all right? And Steve Ballmer, you go fuck off too. Clippers, better off in Inglewood anyway, all right? Get them the fuck out of Staples because I hate when we play a fucking Lakers game versus them and it's their home game. And every time they play in Staples, they got to cover up our fucking championship banners with their selfies. Like, man, come on. They're done. I don't want to hear shit about it. Look, no one can say shit anymore. They are trash, period. On to the Lake Show. Look, Lakers, man, I'm hyped. I honestly think that we're going to get, you know, another ring. You know, I, I mean, look. You guys obviously know, anybody who's been following me that for at least even a year or two, you know I just didn't fuck with LeBron. Look, man, I'm not saying I rock with dude. I mean, it is what it is. But 
And I'm saying like, technically, did he bring a championship? If he does, did he bring a championship here? If, if we win, I, I, just, I don't know, man. I'm just looking at it as a team effort, as the purple and gold, as being a 40 plus faithful Laker fan. But look, we look real good. I'm not worried about no nuggets. Okay, shout out to my nephew, Bol Bol. That's my guy. And I know he's been looking at my stories and my close friend stories. And I've been ripping the Clippers apart and not really going hard on the Nuggets, but like kind of going a little bit on Jokic. But look, one, the Nuggets are fucking exhausted. Okay. We got matchups for their ass all day. Like for Jokic, and I'm not even, I'm not worried about dude. We got AD, Javal, Dwight. And I said Dwight. And for me to say Dwight, as much as I don't fuck with Dwight, they're gonna handle dude real nice. Okay. I'm gonna say right now, Lakers in five again. I called it last time. Some didn't believe me. Look, it is what it is, okay? I'm going to get into NFL picks after the Gary Vee interview, but real quick, Logan Paul, the YouTuber dude, he has just signed a deal, a boxing deal, to fight Floyd Mayweather. Yes, that Floyd, the one and only Money May, the champ, all right? Now, I never rocked with Logan at all, and... uh I don't know if it's his brother or him, same shit, you know what I mean? But that shit that they did where they videotaped, he videotaped himself in the suicide forest area in Japan. Yo, like, I ain't gonna lie to you. When I saw that shit, it gave me diarrhea. I don't know, man. But I'll say this. One thing pretty boy Floyd don't do is play boxing, okay? He will not enter that ring if he is not going to go 200%. That is pure facts. I used to run with Floyd heavy. Yo, he may be 40-something, yeah, but he is going to knock Logan Paul out, period. All right, but peep game. I got to give Logan his flowers. That shit takes balls and it takes a lot of heart. He's crazy as fuck, but yo, man. Okay, so now on to the biggest interview of this podcast's history. And honestly, I don't know a whole lot about Gary, but we get so fucking deep into his personal life. Look, I think we connected on a different level. I'm really saying that shit for real. I really mean it. I connected with him different than any guest I've ever connected with and closer we're closer in age we had a similar upbringing and similar like shit with school and you guys know I've been saying this shit it ain't some new shit that you know and I think I probably think that from the, all the people he's ran into and he's interviewed or he's encountered I think it the feelings mutual like there is so much free game about life and business in this interview that man like look fuck it let's look miles let me hear some of that brand new Lakey Lake. Yo, yes, we got new Lakey Beats, okay? And we'll be right back with this Gary fucking V interview. Hey guys, listen. Good health starts with good habits. Quip makes it easy by delivering all the oral care essentials you need to brush and floss better. The Quip electric toothbrush has timed sonic vibrations with 30 second pulses to guide a dentist recommended two minute routine and there's even a size down version designed for kids. Paired with Quip's anti-cavity toothpaste in mint or watermelon, you get all the ingredients teeth actually need and none that they don't. Quip brush head, toothpaste, and floss refills are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months 
for just $5 each. A friendly reminder when it's time for a refresh and to stay committed to your oral health. And shipping is free. Join over 3 million happy customers and practice good oral care easily and affordably with Quip, starting at $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash baller right now, you'll get your first refill for free. That's your first refill at getquip.com slash baller. It's spelled Q-U-I-P dot com slash baller. All right, Quip, the good habits company. Yo, yo, what's good, man? We are back with Behind the Baller. We got a real special guest today, man. Like, tell you the truth, it's so crazy because I've had so many people on the show. This is like right now in this present time, probably the most special guest over any Kevin Durant or George Lopez or fucking any, any social media, nothing like this is a real deal, dude. And on top of that, he's he's about my age, a little younger than me, but he's really an icon in so many ways, man. And especially that I've been fucking with the hobby. This dude is just the man. Yo, Gary V, what's good, bro? Life is good, man. I'm a little salty. I don't know when you're putting this out, but this is Monday afternoon after the first Jets loss of the season. <laughs> And, and bro, I got to tell you, like all losses come in different shapes and sizes. But when you when you play the way we played yesterday and I listen, I, I'm very realistic. I knew this was going to be a rough season in some ways or tempered expectations, but I'm salty as shit. So you're catching me in a mood. So, hey, thank you for the hospitality. I'm really glad we're doing this. No, nah, really, so this lot, is. Oh, yeah, no, th- this is really a long time, you know, overdue. This is like a long time coming. Um. Look, I only know three Jets fans in my life. One <laughs> is actually my fucking producer of this show, which is one of the, I mean, like he's one of the greatest guys in the world. He is a real Jets fan. Ice-T, who's like my my unofficial godfather, like no bullshit. I've known Ice-T since 1982. And then my uncle, rest in peace, Bruce, he passed away. He was a Jets fan because he was raised in New York. And it's a special kind of person, right? But um, I got to say thank you guys for Jamal Adams. He fucking did amazing yeah. for us yesterday. <laughs> Jamal's a good friend, and I was excited. Listen, I'm really happy with what we got for him because that's a lot. But he's a really special guy, and I wish him nothing but good. And and you know what? Pete Carroll's my kind of guy. I would be that kind of head coach. Russell's easy to root for. Like, and you're all the way out in the NFC West. Like, Seattle's easy for me. Like, so I'm happy. I'm happy that you're happy. Jamal's happy. Everyone's happy. I'm still miserable, but I'm building. So. <laughs> And by the way, talk about a special kind of cat. Like, I grew up a huge Yankees fan and a huge New York Rangers fan. I liked all four sports here in New York in the 80s. And the Mets were better than the Yankees in the 80s when I was a kid. So I went through that journey, but then they finally popped off in 96. The Rangers won my first championship. You know, since first grade in 82, I basically have have had a team for all four sports all those years. And the first title I won, I was a senior in high school. The Rangers won the Cup in 94. And the second the Rangers won the Cup and the second Charlie Hayes caught that foul ball and won the World Series for the Yanks in 96, I've literally lost all my steam for both teams. So the Knicks and Jets have kept me very busy the last, you know, my whole life, especially the last 20 years. But like, yeah, man, you need to like really be about the process and the pain. You know, one of the things that's really unique about me 
that I've, that I've only known about myself really for five years is like, I don't want anything but the process. Like what we're about to get into in this podcast, like for everybody who knows me or if this is the first time you've heard of me or like if you've never really dug in deep and you've seen my face yelling on social here and there, what you're like, I'll save you the hour. You can get it back. I'm addicted to the process. I'm addicted to just the journey. Like I'm really not about the stuff that comes along with it. I don't judge people that need things. I just always ask them because I want them to be happy over everything. Why do they have that chain or sneaker or sports card or anything? Is it for you, you, you? Or is it to flex to put a Band-Aid on your insecurity because you need outside affirmation? And we all have the need for outside affirmation in different areas of our lives. But I'm, that's me. Like, that's who I am. And I, and you know, that's it. Like, that's like what we're going to talk about, like in some shape or form, like, I cared more about being a good baseball card dealer in 1993 and two and one than hooking up with girls in high school. Like I'm about like, that's just the truth. Like, like everybody, everybody who knows me in high school, they're going to, they're going to jump into the comments and say truth. Like I didn't go to parties. Like I worked at my dad's liquor store and I fucking slung baseball cards because I'm a addicted to my process. Like yeah. the reason I'm an entrepreneur is because I only want to do what I want to do. That's why I was a, such a bad student. I don't have any other gear besides I'm going to make myself happy. And the only way I know how to do that is fuck money. Like I'll take it. I'm thrilled that the thing I love comes with it. It matters like from at least a, you need a little something to get by in life, but I can't breathe unless I'm doing my thing. Right. I mean, bro, look, man, to just jump back real quick you know, um, I knew of sports. I've been a heavy fan of sports since the 70s, right? You know, I'm a little bit older than you, tiny little bit. But like, you know, when I think back of, you know, my favorite player. And, and the crazy thing is, I was a Raiders fan all my life. So I compare the Raiders fans and, and the Knicks fans as the same fandom. At a certain point, it was either I was going to go to jail for the rest of my life for killing Al Davis or killing someone in his family. <laughs> or... And, you know, Mike Rapport, he's the reason why I'm podcasting. We're on the same production team. You know, um, my producers produce his show. And to hear him speak about Dolan, like, bro, like, I, I almost want to put, and I didn't really like James Dolan, to tell you the truth, and he has that same reputation as Al Davis. But, like, I give, personally, I don't give a fuck what nobody says. I'm a grown man. But I tell people, if you're a Knicks fan, if you're a Raiders fan, and you had to deal with that shit, man, you can give up your fandom. Like, I, after, you know, in 2009, I walked away from them. I bought a nonprofit. I started a nonprofit organization in Seattle. When I when I got my season tickets, we were five and seven. The Niners had won the NFC West. You know, I was like, "Fuck it, this is a perfect time to jump in," and it was the best timing. Everything was great. I've never done that before. I've been a Dodger fan forty plus years, Lakers fan forty plus years, but I understand what you're saying when you say that because yeah, listen, listen. I've got a little bit of a story like that. I've never changed teams and was four into it forever. But my son, he has a cousin, two boy cousins nine months younger, nine months older, and first cousins, and they're being brought up Met fans, and Jet fans are usually Met fans, but I was born in Russia, I came over, I didn't know what, you know, I was in Jersey too, so that was a mix to begin with, so I didn't have the family lineage from Queens to make Jets Mets, so I'm, I was Jets Yankees, but, because I knew he would have more fun with his, you know, this is what's yeah, great about being a parent, him. right? right I, was like, right. I was like, if he's a Met fan, even though they're going to suck more likely than the Yankees based on history, 
he's going to suck with his cousins. And when it's good, <laughs> they're going to go together to the games and the playoffs. So I did it for him. So that's the, I'm not, and by the way, because I checked out of the Yankees after they won for me, which sucks, right? Because they went out to build a dynasty and the Jeter shit. It would have been fun, but I don't like it like that. I don't need four, five, six. I just need the one because I'm on this chase. You know, like I find myself paying more attention to the Mets than the Yankees because of my son, who's eight now and really about it. And like, I get it. Like, I understand my dad switched from the Rangers to the Devils once he kind of realized there was a Jersey hockey team and they got a little bit better because they were terrible when they first started in the 80s and he was working every minute. And so, like, there is unique reasons. You know, the people that drive me crazy are the people like, Yo, I'm a, I'm a Lakers fan now because of LeBron. Oh like they go, God. they have seventy four, they have seventy four teams, and it's always whoever. I call it the Robbie Turnick rule. Robbie Turnick, big shout out, my best friend, <laughs> growing up in the '80s. He literally was a Bears fan in '85, a Giants fan in '86, a Redskins fan in '87. Like, like whoever won the Super Bowl was his squad. So, you know, to me, I again, I brought up the kind of like lifestyle. I view sports the same way. If you need to feel better about yourself because Steph Curry is successful and you're going to wear his jersey, I'm not going to make fun of you. I'm going to try to figure out through tough love. Like to me, it's it's like I'm going to poke your zit, not to make fun of your zit, but to tell you to like clean your face with better soap or if you're upset about zits, by the way, or like stop eating candy. Like I'm not going to say that you're a loser because you, you're a Warriors fan today, and tomorrow you're a Raptors fan, and now you're a Heat or a Clippers fan, I'm going to say you clearly need that self-esteem boost, and you need to go within yourself and realize that you need to find a way to feel confident and happy because of you, not by renting it from someone else, which leads to that fucking kind of behavior. And I've never heard anybody articulate it that way which is you know, crazy because I've been everywhere. Uh, just like you, I've interacted with millions of people, and that's amazing. And to conclude, so we don't talk about New York sports anymore, my favorite football player up until he retired, which is crazy, he wasn't a Raider. My favorite of all time up to that point was Lawrence Taylor. There was nobody that I was, I was fucking obsessed with this dude. This By guy way, was- Real quick, because I know we'll get into it, I'm sorry yeah. to interrupt. I think LT's 82 Tops rookie card is the most under, one of the five most underpriced cards in the hobby right this second because I think vintage football is going to pop because vintage basketball did. Yeah. And, and LT is top five all-time NFL players on every list, which is going to become more important. And the pop is low on the PSA 10 and the BGS 9.5s. And he's LT. And it's a sweet-looking card. And New York rich people in their 40s and 50s are going to get involved. 100%. And they're going to want, oh, and they're going to want LT. You're so and right. I just think, I think LT – you know, and I'm a Jets fan that hates the Giants, so I hate LT. But but he's an icon, and nobody had more swag. And what year were you born? I was born in '73. Got it. So it makes all the sense in the world for everybody who's listening that's younger. You won't understand this, but LT for us 45 to 50 year old cats, like there was no. I mean, again, I had to hate him because of the Jets Giants thing. But like, let there be no confusion. There was no defensive. Sw- I mean, he changed the sport. Oh my God, man. And he was like a rock Von star. Miller. Yeah, like he changed, like just so you know, any one of your favorite outside pass rushers, they're all molded from him. And 
Yeah, he was going out in New York every night, every fucking gangster in L.A., every like media fashion person in New York. Like if LT walked into the room from 1980, call it four to 1989, any club, not the rappers, not the rock stars, LT. Yeah. The LT lightning bolt earring. <laughs> so, yo, we'll, we'll get into that in a second. Fuck it. Let's start from like kind of a little bit about the Genesis real quick, man. What's it been like? Like, what has it been like working with your family? And what advice would you have for anyone? Like, what could you offer someone who wanted to think about doing the same thing and work with their family? Because I can't work with my family, me personally. Yeah, so I think the, the really nice, like, I'm going to try to do something again that you already gave me a nice affirmation for, which is I've never heard somebody articulate like that. I've done a really good job in my life trying to think inside my own cocoon. I'm undereducated in school and books, which has led me to a lot of original thought. And I was just doing that because I wasn't a good reader and I didn't like school. Now I'm like, oh shit, I got to protect this. I have my own original thoughts. And I'm going to give you one about family businesses that I think is going to really help. And it all kind of goes to a very basic place of self-awareness, all of it. I think if you're listening right now and you're debating like going into your mom's business, your dad's business, um, you don't like your job anymore and you're a lawyer, but you actually want to help your mom and dad, I succeeded in my dad's business, the liquor store, and blew it up. I took it from a three to a $65 million business. I got paid dick. I own none of it. And it's because I knew what I was signing up for and I was self-aware. I, at 22, was so thankful that my parents immigrated to Russia. They taught me right. My mom loved me like nobody's business. I'm fucking obsessed with my mom. My dad because I started working in the store at 14, taught me to not be full of shit, which made me not full of shit because he scared me. Like my dad thinks if you lie, if my dad thinks if you kind of exaggerate, you're a piece of shit. So I got real shook because I'm real salesman. You know, I'm me, yeah, right? Yeah, Everybody, yeah, yeah for you know, sure. I'm over the top. I'll just sling it. And he really saved the people that think I'm full of shit in the hobby, for example, or definitely like in the world, I, I never get mad at them because I always wonder, was I born with it, but my parents took it out of me, right? Like, like my mom made me confident, so I'm not insecure, so I'm not trying to hurt people. And then my dad demonized the fuck out of lying. And it, like, really shook me because at that point, I definitely had gift the gab at 13, 12, at baseball card shows at 12, 13. Like, even at my dad's store at first, like, you know, I was a street kid. Like, my parents didn't buy me anything. So, like, you had to kind of, like, you know, I always love when fucking people that were fed their whole lives and taken care of judge people who don't have shit. You know, like, like you don't know. Like, what if you, like, like I want a Nintendo like every other kid. My parents were like, cool, go get it. Yeah. So, of course, I have work ethic. I fucking shoveled your parents' fucking yards and fucking sold lemonade and fucking bought Eric Davis rookie cards and flipped them. Like I was trying to make it out here at 12. So anyway, nonetheless, I knew that I was going into my dad's business to help him. I knew that I was going to build it. You know, I knew that I was fucking talented, that I had it. And I knew that I was going to get dicked. I knew I wasn't going to own any of it because he's old school immigrant. Like, you know, you probably know this, Ben. But Come like, on, bro. This, my you dad, know? Your dad sounds like my dad, bro, but go ahead. So, so my, my dad was like, you get this business when I die. And I'm like, cool, man. First of all, I hope you die at 90 and I'll be fucking 70. Like, I don't need that fucking, who the fuck wants that? Yeah. And I had a, I had a pickle because I knew I was the guy. 
And it happened. I took the fucking business through the roof, changed my parents' life, changed my brother's and sister's life. Like, I did that. And by the way, along the way, I got fucking paid 50, 60, 70,000 a year. If I was doing that for somebody else, I would have been paid a million dollars a year. So it gets me all sorts of smiley when people try to talk shit about me like, yo, but he was handed a multi-million dollar business. I'm like, motherfucker, I got hosed more than all of you. If I just went to get a job, I would have fucking made a million a year building some business for somebody. I got fucking, I got lost twice. So A, you have to know what you're signing up for. I knew that. And then- I left that and started a business with my brother, 11 years younger than me now. I knew he had all sorts of juice, but I didn't know what he was going to be about. And then, you know, he was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, so he didn't want to stress himself because he's scared that he would have, like, complications. And so his work ethic and ultimately even his business kind of, like, impact ended up not being as much as mine. And I fucking went 50-50 with him. And I've been buying him out of VaynerMedia after he decided to leave and follow a passion project with Vayner Sports. So, like, I have come up on the short end of my talent and my output in both my family businesses. And I'm ups- I played cards with my dad and AJ for five hours on Saturday night of this weekend, happy as a clam, because I needed to know that I didn't care about money more than I cared about giving to my family. I believe I'm unusual. Oh, I believe I'm unusual. That's rare. That's rare. And so, and I don't think, I'm, by the way, I want everybody to hear the word I use, unusual. I don't think I'm better than you because of that. I don't think I'm better than people because of that. I don't think I'm special. I'm not fucking Mother Teresa. It just makes me feel better to give love to those, to that inner, I'm immigrant. I'm old school. Yeah. And I think the world's abundant and I'm patient. I'm 44 and I think I'm going to dominate the fucking world for the next 44 years. Shit. I think I'm going to be a gangster at 88. <laughs> fucking, you know, like when you when somebody says something as flattering as you saying icon, my brain in this intro, when you intro me, I was like, man, I'm still young as fuck. I haven't done shit yet. Like I'm going to earn, like that's, I'm so flattered. And I know I've given a lot. That's why I'm getting so much love. But like, I'm like, man, wait. Wait till I'm 88 and deserve that status. Right. I got a lot to do. I got a lot to do. And so I'm really excited. But the answer to your question is a very unique one. You have to know yourself. And if you value money, and even if you value merit, let me explain. And I value merit. But you have to know yourself. Like if you're like, what's fair is fair. You're going to have a tough time because there is no family business that's 50-50. There is no such thing as 50-50. Somebody's a bigger impact. And I've had the great fortune or misfortune of being the disproportional impact on the two family businesses I've been in. You have to decide if you can swallow that. What are you signing up for? And figure that out without that self-awareness. And even more importantly, the conversations with your partner, your mom's, your brother, your cousin, like you have to know that it's not potentially forever and things evolve over time. Sometimes the dad puts the kid on and then 10 years later, it's the kid putting the dad on. I think a lot of kids fucking walk in and think they deserve and are entitled to some shit. I remind them all the time that the parents built that fucking business just because you're fucking 22 and you're their fucking offspring you haven't done dick for this business yet so go fucking earn something before you work 
fucking walking around acting like you're somebody just because you share a last name. You haven't done shit. So I kept my mouth shut. I fucking built the business and then I started kind of imposing my kind of like walking around like I was somebody. Okay, and I just but wait, watched these. But wait good. a minute. Hold on. Wait a second. Let me, I got to stop you. Bro, you turned it from three to 65 M. Bro, you're telling me you don't feel like you deserve some of that money? Like, I, bro, listen, I'd be completely full of shit if I didn't have nights I cried and resented. Of course I did. It hurts when you build something that big and you kind of wake up and you're 34 and you're going to buy an apartment and you own nothing. You own nothing. Like, the bank's looking at you like, yo, you can't get this mortgage. And I'm sitting there like a fucking dick, like, fuck. Like, you know what I mean? Like, of course there were moments, but I got to be honest with you then on some real, real, real shit. I knew what I was walking into. I knew my dad was never going to share the business with me. Damn. I mean, you couldn't just be like, yo, dad, look, man, I know you're old school. I know everything else. Listen, stop fucking playing games. Just write me a check for five million. Well, first of all, just because the business goes from three to 65 doesn't mean. (laughs) Yeah, I know you know. So like, but people get confused, man. Like, it's fun to talk about this on long podcasts. Like people are like, yeah, but still your dad. I'm like, bro, my dad's business did 3.8. We got 380,000 in gross profit. And then we had expenses. My dad, like, are you kidding me? Like every kid on Instagram was, is flexing more than my dad was. We were old school <laughs> 90s fucking, yeah. like, you know, 80s business life. So trust me, no, I couldn't, I couldn't do that, especially because once I started building it, my dad got big eyes and we built a huge business, a big, we built a 40,000 square foot store because my dad is old school. He likes building things. So now we're in debt even though I'm building the business because we're building a fucking $10 million building, right? Listen, 40,000 so, square foot liquor store? Yeah, bro. Next time you're in New York, we'll, we'll schlep over to Wine Library. Everybody who's listening, if you're in the Jersey area, Springfield, Milburn, Short Hills area, you know Wine you Library. Said, you said 40,000 square feet, right? Yeah, two stories, 10,000 square feet of fucking office space for the internet company that I built, winelibrary.com, and now winetext.com. Definitely sign up for that if you buy wine. Uh, so, you know... Yeah, man, I fucking, like, Holy I, shit. when I was 30, I started having problems. 22 to 28 was a breeze because I knew what I was signing up for. I was invigorated by the action. I fucking was making it for my, like, I was watching me build this shit for my parents. I was pumped. I got married at 28. Now I got to start thinking a little bit about my own family. It started kind of like being like, wait a minute. And then at 31, 32, it was like, okay, I'm in a shit spot. I don't make any money. Um, and I'm building a monster. And when I inherit it, when I'm 70, I'm going to pay fucking inheritance tax on something I fucking built. So like you could start feeling the energy building and bam, bam, basically it's not super complicated. I decided that I was going to build something for myself. And even then I kind of quote unquote fucked up because I shared it halfsies with my brother and like, you know, like fuck bro. Like you, I can't cry about the dollars because I'm just, I'm about the dollars, but I'm not about the dollars. And so it hurts, but I know that everyone who's listening right now, like I know because I've lived life. 97% are like, fuck you, Gary. I can't do that shit. Right. I'm one of them maybe. I might be like, fuck you. Like, I don't know. That's just, you know. By um, the way, by the way, I'm like, fuck you to my own <laughs> self. Like who wants to live the 22 best years of their, of like, I've given up my 22 years of my first <laughs> chapter of my career and I have like 25 cents on the dollar of what I fucking earned. Oh shit. Oh my God. 
So I remember a couple of years ago when um, we had tweeted each other, whatever, and you're like, yo, have you signed up for my app yet? I'm like, what fucking app? What are you talking about? Like, you know, like I, I thought you're a motivational speaker. I had no idea. You know, I mean, of course, I heard the name a bunch of times, didn't know where to put it. And um, I was like, okay, wine. This is something that my wife is heavily into. That's why she was like, oh, what app? And then um, my sister is big, you know, and every time I'd be invited to go to Napa and stuff, I'm like, I don't give a fuck about nothing. I just like Opus One. That's yeah. all I care about. Then I started like really like drinking random things. Like I'd be like, oh, what's Camus? Oh, that, that's pretty good. You know, whatever. I didn't know. And then I, I you know, I started obviously buying stuff from a wine library and um, I didn't know where the correlation was. Now that I realize that you grew up in a liquor store, your dad owned, why wine? Why not tequila? Why not vodka? Like, did, or, or was, you know, why not another liquor? Why was it wine? Um, so I started working my dad's liquor store in 1989 when I was 14. I started my own baseball car business a couple years earlier, and I was making $2,000 a weekend selling baseball cards. Really balling, right? Like, that's real money. That's when crazy you're, money. Yeah. Like for any 14-year-old, especially one that came up from nothing, and especially kids, don't forget, no internet, and it's things cost different. So that 2000 feels like 20000 now, at least ten, at least five to seven. Maybe 25, so, 40, yeah, way more. Yeah, maybe. So I'm living, and now my dad, I turned 14, and my dad's like, you have to work in the store on weekends and holidays and vacations. Like that's the family business. I'm, and I hated it. <laughs> Right. I, my dad paid me two bucks an hour. I bagged ice for 15 hours a day in the fucking store. It was the worst. Shelves. It was called Shoppers Discount Liquors. So here it is called Shoppers Discount Liquors. It's a liquor store. But it was on the corner. Literally the store in the parking lot sat on the town line between Springfield, Blue Collar, and Milburn, more upscale. And what happened was we were a liquor store, but I started seeing people come in and they were always coming in asking for wine. And I didn't think much of it, but then I did see in the displays when I would pack the wine, there'd be a sign and it would say 91 points wine spectator, 92 points Robert Parker. And I was like, what's this shit? And it kind of felt a little, and then bro, I'll tell you exactly what happened. Some guy came in and asked for Camus, Opus One, Silver Oak, Chateau Lafitte, all the shit, two of the things you mentioned. Right. And- buying and we had a little something not a lot like a case here six bottles there and he bought everything and i asked him and i'm 15 and i asked him i'm like man it's a lot of wine like i I, you know i was too scared to ask like a casual question because i work i had to be professional my dad scared the fuck out of me so i didn't want to do anything wrong and and i was just like i don't know i remember being scared to ask him this but i had to know and basically i asked him and i don't remember how i did it what are you doing with all this wine? And he says to me, oh, I have a wine cellar. I collect wine. And even at 15, I don't know if it's the brainwashing of the immigrant life. I wanted to help my parents. And even at 15, I knew that I was going to be all time. I really believe that shit when it came to business. And so I was like looking for something to be excited about because packing out absolute vodka and Jose Cuervo because tequila was different back then. That was the only fucking tequila we carried. Like that didn't fucking excite me, especially when I got learned the business a little bit and we're selling everything for a dollar more than we buy it for because we're discount liquors. Literally buying fucking Cuervo for 18 bucks, selling for 18 IM. Like this bullshit business sucks. And I'm like, collect wine. And that's when my world changed. But I realized that people collected wine. And then once I understood the wine spectator and Robert Parker, all these ratings, I was like, yo, that's like Beckett. 
Like, cause that, that's, yeah. that was my Bible back then. I yeah. was like, Beckett every month comes out. Well, that, and then why I really fell in love, unlike Beckett, where every card has a price, card had a very set market. Wine did as well, kinda, because you actually drank the shit. Right. And you could actually have your own opinion. And so, for example, you know, in that Camus and Opus land, there's a wine called Joseph Phelps Insignia. And I loved it in my early career when it was in the 30s and 40s. And now it's like 250 bucks. And I think it's super overpriced and average. Right. So you could have your own opinion. And not that my opinion on Insignia is right or wrong, it's mine. And what ended up happening was there was storytelling in wine and like the vineyards and who made it. And you know this when you go to Napa, they fucking romance you with a million things you actually don't give a fuck about. Yeah, but stories. I did give a fuck about it. I was like, that's interesting. That's cool. And I, and I started selling wine. Like, yo, the winemaker at Opus left and started this. And people were like, yo, word. And they would buy a case. And then they'd come in and be like, yo, kid, I fucking like that wine better than Opus. What else you got? I'm like, oh, shit, I got to <laughs> learn this. And that, I became this weird fucking 17-year-old. That fucking knew everything, 18, I mean everything. I would sit in class, man, in high school. Class would start and I would literally open my book bag and take out the current Beckett and the current Wine Spectator and sit there and fucking read it and look at my teachers like, what? I'm not about your school life. Give me an F. I don't give a fuck. That was <laughs> actually my high school career. Damn. People didn't believe me when I came up and told these stories. So I put out my report card on Instagram and everybody got real quiet real fast when they saw that 1.7 GPA and me getting Fs in like home economics and driver's ed. Like because I fucking went pot committed to who I knew I was going to be and I was going to be a fucking entrepreneur. You know what's crazy is when you said that with the wine spectator and I'm like thinking about it now because obviously I know what that is. I mean for, for a minute I was obsessed with champagne. And I have all kinds of rare bottles of champagne. I'm just a collector, period. I don't know how much you know about me, yeah, but I, I collect so much shit from Japanese toys, everything. I started trends with this. But when I thought about what you just said, my mom took me out to a really nice dinner one time. She was retired. You know, she, my mom made pretty good money. Um, she came from nothing. She lived in a garage. You know, she came to America with 20 bucks. The, every, you know, the immigrant story. One time we went out and she said, this is a very special bottle of wine. Her boss had owned a vineyard and he also had a collecting, he collects a lot of wine. He had a big shopping mall in Koreatown. And I said, okay, I'll never forget this bottle. So I remember like later on in life, whatever, I went to go get, you know, dinner with a girl and I wanted to be a hot shot and be cool and sound like I knew what the fuck I was talking about. And so I requested this wine. And then I was like, no, hold on, that's, that's the wrong price. Of course in the restaurant's gonna be 300% more, right? Correct, correct. And I said, wait a second, man. Give me the 2004 then. Is the 2004 good? Because I just made my first million dollars. And the guy's like, yeah, it, it was literally, I mean, it was the most different price I ever seen. And I was like, wait a second, this is Opus One. Why the fuck is 96 so expensive? And the guy goes, well, sir, since you requested 96, I thought you knew it, 96. 96 was an excellent year for Napa, for the crops, for the, um, he was breaking down the weather that year. Everything was perfect. So the crop was perfect. And I was like, and 2004 wasn't? And he goes, yeah, but it's just, you know, it's it's current. So I'm just letting you know what's going on. And I was like, holy shit. I didn't know like different years. And so like cards, like you said. And, I you, never were like, and you were like, wait a minute, this shit goes up? Because that's what gets <laughs> us going, right? Yeah. Like let's call it spade a spade. Like it's what's fun to collect is getting what you like. But like it really feels nice when that thing goes up too. Because most things people like, like what I tell people about the hobby 
they're like, yo, why do you like it so much? I'm like, because most people's hobby costs them money. Yeah. Like if you're about skiing or snorkeling or traveling, like that's what you're spending your money on. I'm like, this hobby, which is my addiction, actually has the potential to be break even or even profitable if I make the right decisions. That's kind of cool. You know, like, like there is that element. No, for sure. So, you know, it's funny you said that. I never, ever put two and two together. When you said Beckett in Wine Spectrum, I'm like, yo, this is fucking, he's exactly right. It's why wine came so natural to me. I became obsessed with wine because of the parallels of cards. Right. So then how the hell, and I would love, this is the million dollar question. How have you become so good at anticipating which apps and companies will blow up and will be the next big thing? Because- you've you've hit like i know about the uber thing and you're like fuck i regret it but boom but like it that wasn't the only one there's been a bunch like how how the fuck don't don't tell me you're just lucky i'm definitely not lucky (laughs) i have one i've like love your phrase i'm lucky in the sense that i was born in the soviet union and this lucky moment where they let out four hundred thousand jews because being jewish in russia is about as fun as being any massive minority in any place that hates you yeah. And, and the Soviet Union hates Jews uh, during that era, post-World War II. They were to blame. So I got lucky to, by having the best mom. But when it comes to what I do for a living, that was a natural talent that I observed subconsciously and honed my skills at. And that skill is what brought me back to sports cards recently. And that skill is what I trade on all the time, which is I understand what people are going to do at scale often before most people understand it. It's as simple as that. I understand what humans are gonna be into or what they're going to do. I launched an e-commerce wine business, Ben, in 1996. Now, most of your audience is gonna skew younger or cooler or whatever it might be, but like, for everybody who's 42 and older listening right now, I'm gonna say it's slow and I'm gonna say it with purpose. I told my dad that he needed to spend $15,000 to build a website in 1996. Let me put that into context of what an immigrant father in 1996 around something he's never heard of called the World Wide Web and $15,000. Think about going to your parents right now and asking for a million dollars to go to Mars. But I convinced him to do it because I just knew that everybody was going to use the internet. And what you know, Ben, because we're in the same age group is People didn't know that was guaranteed back then. Yeah. It was, people called the internet a fad. Like people, and by the way, tell them, everybody who was on the internet was the nerdiest nerd, nerd, science nerd dude you ever seen. Straight geek. Geeky, geek, geek. Yeah. Like I didn't even consider going on the internet and I'm, I wasn't cool by any stretch. Like I was like, whatever, but like, like, I was pretty geeky in that I cared about, like, business was geeky. Like, when I made that statement and, I, and you giggled, it was a good indication. Like, now, bro, I missed my era to be in high school. Now I'd be killing it. Like, if you're an entrepreneur now and you know how to make money, like, that's cool. But when I was a kid, bro, being an entrepreneur, slinging baseball cards, I was a geek, right? Like, unless you were selling drugs, that was cool. But like, if you sold anything else, it wasn't. And I was selling the other things. Selling comic books and fucking doing garage sales and fucking hustling sports cards was fucking nerdum in the 90s. Now, if you're making, like, 
It was crazy, Ben. I was making two, three thousand dollars a weekend, and not my friends, nor my teachers, nor my friends' parents thought that was good on some real shit. Why? Everything was co- everyone was like college, college. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, come on, trust Remember? me. Remember? Yeah, hundred percent. Remember? You could be making real money, and like so. Anyway, nonetheless, that I know what people are gonna do. I knew that I sold all my baseball cards in '93 because I could sense it. Because I'm an artist. I can be at a card show in 1993 at the Highbridge Fire Station and I could smell it. Like an A&R smells a celebrity, like a star. Yeah. yeah. Like I could smell baseball cards were over and literally at the show, I went around to all the dealers and sold all my cards. All of them. All of them. I had no collection. Gone. That was it. I sold it for like 60 cents on the dollar. Four or five dealers bought me out and I was no longer in the baseball card business. And, I, and seven months later, the whole market collapsed. Fucking nuts. So what I do now for a living is I watch. I watch the streets. Like, you know, in hip-hop terms, it's like keeping your ear to the streets. In business terms, I basically, I'm not just talking about rap music or how to stay out of trouble or gangster life or fucking just like culture or cool. I do it for everything. What are yoga moms in Seattle doing? What are 80-year-olds in fucking Florida retirement homes doing what are immigrants in texas doing with a million dollars a year with a hundred thousand a year with a dollar a year i'm paying attention to humans every second and that's why i've been so consistently right because i'm not guessing i'm watching i'm like a cobra in the grass and when i see something that has a little bit of like juice to it i'll dig deeper i'll dig deeper bro i went to the national sports card convention in cleveland three years ago incognito right I didn't say a word. I had a big social media profile. A couple of people recognized me, but I kept it low because I was smelling. I'm yeah. like one of those fucking dogs. No, trying to real like, shit, dude. You know? When I go to jewelry conventions, I can't even fucking walk in, bro. I, I don't care where the fuck it is. I could be in Hong Kong and I can't walk in, bro. I will get completely harassed. It's bad for business. Right, it's actually just- because you built up. And guess what? This next national in Chicago in July, I won't be able to be on the low. People are gone. And that's fine because even when I'm not in the low, even when you go to toy conventions and I want to go to one with you in Asia. Uh, like, by the way, you're going to like this. I can't even believe I didn't tell you this part. Sold all my cards in 94, in 93, excuse me. By the way, if anybody's listening to this that went to high school with me in 1990 to 1994, please put this out on social media how true this story is. I sell all my cards on a Sunday. I go to school on Monday and I ask every kid in my high school to buy their Star Wars figures because I had heard at a comic book store three months earlier that Star Wars was gonna be rebooted in the mid 90s. And in a month, I took all my money from Star Wars, from baseball cards, and I bought every Star Wars figure in my high school, all of them. I'm talking 5,000. I had six snaggletooths in the Sears Cantina blue outfit. <laughs> like I went off and I went hard on toys from 94 to 98. Yeah. You know, I did the same thing with sneakers. So trust me, like literally to the T. Bro, have, it's, what, it's what all the sneaker heads are about to do with cards. And, and it's funny because I see the memes now. Nice Kicks posted a meme the other day. They're like sneaker heads and the Grim Reaper. And it's like, okay, they destroyed the sneaker game. Boom. Now they destroyed Bitcoin. Boom. And then it's like they're right in front of the door. And on top of the door, it says the hobby sports cards. And I'm like, oh, fuck me. And, you know, to be honest with you, because I'm gonna, we're getting into the hobby in a second. But I'm just saying it's the sneaker shit. 
I saw it from such a far distance and I was like, yo, and people are like, man, you're tripping. What are you doing, bro? What if this this flops? And I'm like, let it flop. I'm telling you right now, the momentum, the, this feeling inside me, it's not going to flop. Nike's about to go into fucking overdrive. They're about to go into fucking 17th gear when no one's ever heard of sixth gear. You know, like I understood what that was. Um, But no, before we get into, into how, I'm trying to hold that off to like the real, real yeah, end. Yeah, but like, yeah, yeah, but like no you have your hands in a lot of projects. Um, I assume, you know, different businesses. I'm not exactly sure. I'm just, I, I'm assuming. By the way, real quick, I have to interrupt. This just spooked the fuck out of me. Bro, your mother, you know, it's so funny. My grandmother passed away 18 months ago. And she was the only grandparent I knew. And she was a rough fucking gal. Like gangster Russian lady, very pessimistic. And my dad has some of her pessimism. And I, I, I think I built up a lot of resentment towards my grandmother uh, during this time when I struggled with my dad working with him because she raised him and implemented it into, and even like in her final years, I, I wish I had a little bit of a better relationship with her and she had Alzheimer's, but it's funny. We've always been trying to figure out if we have a little Mongolian in our family on my dad's side. Cause my sister's got that gene. I just looked at your mother going through, I'm looking at your Instagram while we're talking right? and it shook me. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Like, That's all good. Literally shook me. It's crazy. I see it so much right now, how much your mom actually has some similarities to my grandma. And like, it's funny, my brother just had a daughter three years ago and she's got like a, some sort of dimple on her ass. And like, I don't know the whole story. My mom was telling me the story, so I could be wrong with this for anybody listening, but she has a sort of dimple punchlines. Like, I think the name of it is like the Mongolian dot or something. I don't know. I don't know, but it's funny. Like, I've always seen like kind of like on my sister, grandma, my dad, a little like Asian flavor. Like I know somebody in my family like hooked up with some Mongolian dude <laughs> back in the day, like way back when. Anyway, big shout out to your mom. No, Beautiful woman. And, and, and crazy thing is my mom's three sisters all married Jew. So a big part of is my family. Right? Yeah, dude. So a big part of my family is Jewish. And like, you know, my cousins are Jewish. They went to the first Jewish high school that like in the certain area. I was good friends with a lot of Russian Jews. So come on, man. Like I've been honored, you know, I've been Oriental, you it's, know, for all, so yeah. long. It's all it's all the same flavor. Anyway, go ahead. No, it's just funny because um thinking about it, by the way, first of all, seeing a Mongolian person speak perfect Russian and you think this motherfucker's Chinese, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, and, people and, are very confused of the Asian Asian Russian thing, that crew. Yeah. They're the they're the a lot especially of them. Especially the Kazakhstan, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like that's a bug out thing. Especially when I when I first met Triple G. When I saw all, I, I was doing a campaign for uh, for Chivas, and they're paying me, flew me on a jet and everything. So I meet Triple G, all his fans. He has like this one section of fans are all Asian people, and I'm like, what the fuck? And the next thing you know, they're speaking full on. I was like, wait, hold on, slow down. Anyways, so you have your hands in a lot of projects. I'm assuming that and everything, right? How do you balance that? Because I didn't even know that you had kids. Sorry, man. I was just yeah. like. I was like, this guy's no, too busy bro, to have a lot kids. Of, a, lot of, a lot of people don't know that because I keep my person. I'm the most public, private person on earth. Right. Like, I just, like, don't go there with my family. Like, my, my dad and sister, my sister's doing real estate now, so I give her a little love. My dad just all of a sudden, like, you know, we had our conflicts a little bit during that year I explained earlier, but it was always love. It was always good. And now he's on the other side because we still had our own competition because my dad was on the coming to America with nothing. I built this. Yeah, you did that. And there was always like, my dad's competitive as fuck. That's where I get it from. So, you know, we, we had that kind of like, and now like I've done enough where I think he's relented and he's like, okay, 
you might be better at business. So now the second he de- so the second he decided that maybe two years ago, he's flipped to like the proud dad. So it's real fun. We're in a great place, my dad and I, with our relationship. And he like so I give him a little love. He likes now he's real competitive and wants to have more followers on Instagram than my sister. Um, but uh, yeah, how do you I, balance uh, that I, from work to, to home? Easy, easy. It's just not beating yourself up, Ben. It's just not beating beating yourself up. We're all trying here. You're like. Somebody said something to me. I, actually, back to Asia flavor. I was in Singapore or maybe Malaysia. I was on a speaking tour in Asia. And one night I went out. My friend Raisa put something together. My friend, my employee. I call him employee's friends. My employee Raisa was on a trip. She's from Malaysia. Did create a little night of like influencers in the region. We went out. It was like 20 people. And this young woman said something. And it stuck with me for how I see this conversation. She said, my mom was a judge and I never saw her as a kid and I resented her because everybody else had their moms. And then somewhere around 18, I realized my mom was there plenty, comma. She showed me how to live instead of telling me how to live. And I've been shook by that. Like as a hardworking, traveling, ambitious, loving what they do, dad, you're always worried, are you spending enough time with your kids? Yeah. And, you know, as, as the recipient of not seeing my dad until I was 14 and started working in the store, because he literally worked the immigrant, leave before I wake up, get home after I fall asleep for like the first 14 years of my life. Well, the first three years he was in Russia, but I don't remember him. And really from four to 14, my dad worked every minute. You know, I have such an, I mean, I just got done saying it. I have such an insane relationship in a good way with my parents and I didn't really see my dad. He didn't go to a single. He went, my dad went to one Little League game. I played Little League for all those years. He went to one. One. My dad didn't come to school functions. He, my dad was not involved yeah, in my same, dude, childhood. Same. But it's so good that not that that's guaranteed for me and my kids. And I'm like, <clears throat> I go to everything. I'm like zooming in. To, like I'm in it. And so um, not to mention I'm home on the weekends. And my dad wasn't because the liquor store was busy on Saturday and Sunday. And we take actual vacations. I took two vacations in my entire childhood, both to Disney World, and my dad didn't go to one of them. So, like, I really lived it, Ben. Like, right. really lived it, Ben. So, like, I'm not fearful of it, and I also don't beat myself up. I go to everything, and if some major thing for VaynerMedia, a $23 million opportunity with Toyota came up, and I had to go to Japan, and it was a recital – and I decided it was the right thing to do, I would go to fucking Japan and I would try to zoom in on the recital and let's say the time difference didn't work or I was on a flight, then I would overcompensate around the recital. But I'm not some sort of like, I think parenting has become, I'm not going to judge your parenting, Ben, you and your wife. Yeah. You know, I'm not judging what you guys are doing. You know, and I don't, have any interest in anybody's opinions about how I'm parenting because nobody knows the details of 100%. anything. 100%. The end. Period. And you know what's funny Period. you said? Period. Nobody knows anything about my home, none of that ben, shit. Yeah. Ben, that's actually the biggest conversation we can have here to help the kids and the grown-ups that are listening. Why would you struggle with people saying you're full of shit or you suck or fuck you in the comments section when your own fucking parents and cousins and best friends actually don't know you fully. Damn. Right? Yeah, that's fucking... 
bro, that's what makes me breathe. That's why I can put myself out there. Yeah. Because nobody, I don't like being disliked. I don't like being disliked by somebody who's a baseball card dealer for 25 years and thinks I'm up to something bad because this is their beloved Yeah, I, I hate that type of shit. Yeah, I, that drives me crazy. But what you just said right now just fucked me up. Just It literally put a pause in me. I'm glad, bro, because I really think you could see, like, I think, I think, and 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 like, you know, and everybody's out here. You, I'm glad you brought it up. I know that 85% of people think I'm a motivational speaker because I've won the content game on the internet and the most stuff I put out since I don't put out my personal life is my content on stage and things of that nature. But bro, like the motivational speaking part of my life is like 0.001. I'm a strategist. I'm a business owner, an executor. Like I just enjoy the Gary Vee thing, but like I run a thousand person, $200 million business. I started from scratch. I started Resi with Ben Leventhal and that sold for hundreds of millions of dollars to Amex. I started a wine brand 15 months ago and flipped it for hefty eight figures. Like I'm out here operating. I'm a businessman that just happens to be motivational and happens to know how to produce content for the internet as well as anybody who fucking can do it. Right. So can I say something real quick? Where, where I sure. see like a mirror image almost. Everyone in the world has says, when I see a rapper, I see anybody. The first, I'm like, bro, if you ask about a fucking chain, I could tell myself, I'm going to kill somebody, I'm going to fucking hurt somebody. Every time I see anybody, it's, hey man, when, when can I get a chain? Hey, what's up? You make, and you know what the funny thing is? I can't say it's .003, but really, I just realized that I was a jeweler like two or three years ago when ASAP Ferg put out the goddamn name, Ben bought it to the chain. Like, I didn't even think about it because I'm like, yo, I was in music for so long. I was a DJ for so long. I've been a hustler all my life. I've been in sneakers and toys and shit. The jewelry thing is by title. Yeah, that's what, you know, I became famous from it. But I don't really like, I don't know how, how to explain it. I have a successful business in jewelry, but I don't really rock with it as tough as people think. If that makes any sense. Like, makes all uh, the sense of the world. And by the way, Ben, you might be the governor of fucking Florida in 17 years. Like, that would be normal to me. Yeah. Like, I don't think people, like, I don't understand how people don't get it. Like, we're evolving 24-7, 365. When I started putting out, my first business video I put out was Flames. It was about Facebook and Twitter in fucking 2008. Do you know that almost every comment was, stay in your lane, wine boy? Yeah. It's so fucking like, people, crazy. People want you to stay in a lane for them. I'm yeah. not fucking living my life. Dude, I've you. never stayed, if I stayed in my lane... I wouldn't fucking have the house and everything that I have. My kids wouldn't go to school where they go bro, to. They wouldn't. Bro, I, bro let's you. take this in a different place. Fuck the collateral of it, the school, the things. Let's talk about you, the human, being able to breathe and be happy. If I stayed in my lane, I would be miserable, depressed, oh, and true. fucking. Yeah, for sure. Like the reason that you just said the house that I have and my kids, the school, is one hundred percent based on the overlap of happiness and talent. No, for sure. And you know what? You're completely right. I think when I worked at a major corporation, I was at a record label, I became the vice president. I was really happy. And then I realized I got into it with my boss. And I said, dude, I, I can't work for this dude. And on top of that, he keeps putting a ceiling on me. I can't be in a, in a corporation. I just can't. And I struggled, you know, when I started working for myself. But um, look, I know we got a ton of shit that we're going to get into real quick. I just wanted to ask you this. I don't think I've ever heard this before from you or anything, but do you have any luxury vices? Like you fuck with cars, watches, jets. Is that, is that your thing at all? No. And, and you know what's funny? I'm going to use your podcast to create some clarity. 
and I already did up front because it's on my mind. Not only don't I, I've been very aggressive about Lambos and chains and things of that nature. And I, I realized maybe a year ago, I'm like, I need to create a little clarity around that. Because, you know, like I'm on your account right now. I'm like, man, this shit is pretty. Like you make nice stuff. <laughs> now, you know, like when I hear people talking about cars, like I have no idea what they're talking about when they say it drives nice. Like I can drive and I'm like into that. But like I get it. Let me phrase. I know exactly what they're talking about, but it doesn't do a thing for me. Right. And so, so a couple things. One, I don't. To me, I'm trying to think about what the, like, I don't spend money on things. Even the cards thing I see as a remarkable investment opportunity slash I love holding and looking at them from my childhood standpoint, but not like, I think a lot of people then, and you, fuck man, honestly, I'm really excited to be together right now because I think, I think you could have a huge impact on this conversation. My question very simply as I'm going through your gram is when people buy this stuff, this incredible stuff, and I, I mean that, I really want to give you that compliment. What's it for? Like, I, there's a lot of people that buy it because it's part of a persona and a story and a narrative it makes all the sense of the world to me from a business standpoint. An ungodly, and this is just facts, an ungodly amount of people buy cars, vices, 100% to position themselves in other people's opinions, to show them that they're successful because they need that for their self-esteem. That person is the one I try to talk to about like, look, buy whatever you want. But if you need that stuff to show your mom who didn't believe in you growing up that you made it, or your aunt, or to show your neighbors or the kids that pissed on you and beat the fuck out of you as a kid, if you're using it to fill the gap of an insecurity, you're going to get vulnerable because what's going to happen is you're going to get into the cocoon and keep doing it. Yeah, yeah, bro. Somebody's always going to buy a bigger chain. Somebody's always going to flex a bigger stack of cash. Somebody's always going to get like, it's going to happen. And you're going to, whereas what I want for those people is like be in the process, be in the process to be able to afford the fact that I know I can afford everything is a nice competitive feeling. But more importantly, even that doesn't get me off. That to me was my dad's thing. That's what got him off. For me, it's just, I like what I'm doing every morning. Like I want to do what I'm doing. And if I can afford to do whatever fuck I want to do, whatever company I want to start, sell whatever company I want to sell, move my attention to whatever I want to move, that excites the shit out of me. Freedom, bro. I'm out here for freedom. 100%. I think that, you know, when people started realizing when I, when I started my podcast, I said, look, man, money buys convenience. And that's right there. That's you. What, could, what more could you ask for? You're looking for Gucci and all this other shit. And I'm telling you, the shit buys convenience. And there's a lot of other things you could do with it. But it also could buy a lot of laziness because it's happened with me, even in this pandemic. But let me uh, co-sign what you said. And, you know, the first time I bought a Rolex or a BMW, Dr. Dre gave me a big check. And he asked, why'd you buy it? I said, man, because that's a symbol of success. And he didn't really want to say anything about it. He was just like, look, man, he said straight up to me and he's lost all his money. He got hit, did a bad deal with Suge, did a bad deal with Jerry Heller. And he's like, look, man, making a million dollars is easy. Keeping it ain't easy. And uh, it stuck with me. So, you know, I always act like, and people are like, Dan, this dude Ben's trading cards for, you know, gift cards. He's doing this shit. Like he's acting like he's broke. And I'm like, bro, I try to be as normal as possible. Fuck the million dollar cars that I got and all the other shit. Look, I chopped a lot of fat this year. 
Gary, you'd be proud, man. I, I went from eight cars to fucking four. I should get down to three, and three is going to be like, I won't get it le less than three. I had 69 watches. I'm down to like 13 watches, and I'm probably going to get down to four, right? I don't really wear any chains at all. No, I have a small... I, let, me ask you real, let me ask you a real question, because you're going to help something. Man, I'm excited right now. Let me ask you a question. Why? Is it because the pandemic was coming, you're like, let me get smart? Is it because you wanted to take those dollars and invest or buy something else? Is it, it just doesn't feel the same? You're not in the same place in your soul and your brain no more. Why? And give me the real answer because we're out here, like every time I do content, the reason I think I'm where I'm at in my career right now is I'm out here bleeding to bring value because I want admiration. I don't want people's money. Yeah. I want admiration. No, for, you know, let me tell you something real quick. First of all, to rewind a little bit, understand, I've been a car enthusiast since I was a little kid, right? Obviously had aspirations of owning an exotic car one day, boom, it was the first thing I bought with my big money. I love the actual feel of driving a car. The thing is, some people do, some people don't. Some people actually have, you know, gone to racing school. There's some kind of joy. There's obviously a, a rush that I get from driving 185 miles per hour. And cool. doing certain things, yes. And I love... Yeah, like I like I would shit my pants because I'd be like, I'm going to die, and that sucks because I got real shit to do. Right. And fucking, this adrenaline's cool and all, but I can get that adrenaline opening up a fucking $4,000 pack of cards or watching my bullshit yeah, Jets yeah, play but, the but Niners this weekend. Yeah. yeah, I get it. So the funny thing is, is um, with the cars, I will say this. I've lost a ton of money in cars. I've also made a lot of money in cars. Just like, it's like baseball cards. It's like shoes. It's just, I'm way higher stakes. So there have been a couple cars that I bought at like, you know, 350, 400 grand, and I sold for like 150 grand over sticker. Then, I mean, over what I paid. And then, you know, you get to be at a certain relationship with Ferrari, and now at that point, you're family. So you don't pay over sticker anymore for the cars. Um, it happened with these cars. So I was like, look, man, I have four cars sitting in the driveway that I can't drive anywhere. Where the fuck am I going to go? My son has respiratory illness. I don't want to risk COVID. We're quarantining. This is fucking stupid. I'm paying fucking so, you know, $60,000 a year insurance. This is dumb. So I decided, I said, you know what? Let me get something that's vintage. Take those four cars, get a vintage car that I always wanted on some Ferris Bueller's dad shit, and basically let that shit accrue. It'll always be, you know, it always gonna, it's already hit where it's, and it's just gonna go nothing but up. So I did that, so at least it would sit and it'd always be on a battery tender and I ain't gotta worry about it. That was one thing. The second thing was, I'm not as Ben Baller as everyone thought. You know, I'm, mm -hmm. I, I think if anything, I was- maybe, maybe, by the way, maybe not even as much as you thought. Maybe as much as I thought too. I just felt like, you know what? Right. I'm a father. That, that was that was the line that I'm that was the moment for me. I wanted to hear it. And then and honestly, when you delivered, they didn't think. I literally felt it. I'm like, he didn't think. Yeah. Cause it made sense where you were, but it changes when you're there. Bro, this is why I tell everybody, you think money's gonna make you happy? I know more millionaires that are on the verge of fucking ending it than anything else. No, real talk. It's the realest shit. Real I, was, I, was, I was so much happier during my broke times in Koreatown and everything. You know but why? You know why? The process. Yeah. Bro, the process. <laughs> this, everybody, this is what I'm trying to help businessmen and women with. Everybody's infatuated with Kobe because he deserves it. And everybody always talks about like he fucking loved being in the gym and I'm like, bro, that's what I do every day. I'm in the gym. Yeah. No, you are. Fall in love with the gym. Of course you'll hoist up a fucking championship trophy if you're in the gym. But the crazy part is I forever, from 2005, even though I've been Ben Baller since 92, 
from 2005 to 2017 or 18 even, I always told people, oh, it's Ben Baller, it's Ben Baller. I try to not use the name. Social media, it's a different thing. When I'm out in public somewhere, it's always Ben Yang. I say, oh, it's Mr. Yang, it's Yang. I really don't even fucking try to put that name out there. I'm embarrassed that my kids' teachers know who I am. Certain They're like, who, who's Ben Baller? Yeah, oh, no, yeah, don't, yeah. no, yeah, it's yeah. Ben Yang. Listen, don't ever use that name, please. We're not rich. We're not rich or anything. I drive them to school in a fucking minivan. I don't want them to sit there and be like, yo, dad, why don't you come? I was like, no, 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 listen, that's not what's going to happen here. Please don't talk about that. But I tell people all the time on the podcast, I'm a father. And look, and look, look, in real talk, because you got three youngsters, because I think about this shit every day. Like, my little guy opened up more wax at the National last year. Like, not the one that got canceled just now. Yeah. My little guy literally up and opened up more cards than in one weekend than I did in my life, even though I'm trying to contain them. Like, when you're like, yo, we're not rich, it is. The kids, you're not going to trick your kids. They're living their, you know, they're living their lifestyle. Sending them to Africa for a week or a month to build a house isn't going to change it. If you don't build self-esteem and values in those three, they're going to get affected by all the luxuries they have. Yeah. No, it's true. And I see it. Right? I lie to you. It's Can it be reversed? Yes. But one thing I show an enormous amount of affection and love. They get hugged and kissed every day. Love that. Yeah, multiple times, and it's because I didn't have that. And listen, they're going to be in an age, and you're who you are, That looking at these pictures, that in seven to ten years, your, their dad is going to be cool to their best friends, and that's going to change shit. <laughs> right. Right? And so, like, yeah. back to the theme of, like, I, at least the energy I'm bringing to the table today is, like, let's get back to, like, 1600s values, kind, hard work. Yeah self-esteem, self-awareness, like all this cool and like amazing stuff, all of it comes if you fucking put the foundation down. Everyone's worried about the sprinkles and the cherry on a cake and nobody wants to bake the fucking cake. Yeah. Or mix the flour, goddamn, you know what I'm saying? And get all that shit going. And That's what I'm saying. No, That's exactly sure. what I'm saying. Bake the cake, like make it. Like the reason you were so happy in the dirt is because – you were fucking in your process. Same with me, bro. Bro, let me tell you a story about Ben Baller life with me directly. I'm 27 years old. I'm in my dad's liquor store. I've already taken it from like three to like 40 million. So I'm making it out here, but I'm not getting the benefits of it. And I'm definitely not living the lifestyle of it. And my friends now are 27 and they're starting to make a little coin on Wall Street. And I had friends come to the liquor store that I'll never forget that Christmas season. And buying cases of like Dom P and Cristal and fucking Moet and all that shit. And I'm literally, bro, think about it for a minute. I'm literally ringing them up at the register and carrying the case of champagne to their BMW and putting it in their seat. No, man. That was and not, I'm yeah. now, and I'm, no, 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 no. Wait for this line to be delivered. I'm glad you started saying that. But bro, ready? On, on fucking all of it. I would put that case of Dom P in their car. I dapped them up, like, have a good Christmas. And I would look at their eyes and I knew, bro, I'm telling you. Because they didn't know. Even my friends from high school, because they were like acquaintance friends, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't know. And I could see in their eyes, like, damn, sucks, Gary. Like, you know, because bad student, like, I, like that, that was the cocoon. Right. I still, it didn't pop off like it's been for the last 10 years. I could see the mix of pity, disrespect, and bro, I would take that energy from their eyes and I would eat it 
on the way back into the store. And I just fucking loved that feeling because everything in my brain and my soul was like, bet I'll see you in 2020. <laughs> I, had a, I had a similar feeling, you know what I mean, with, with different occasions. But you know what? Now I don't even give a fuck anymore. I, I just don't care. You know like, what's I funny? Just... I do. Ready? Notice how I do. Let me explain. This is back to the addiction of the process because I wasn't doing it to like show them and like stick it to them. There was no, like the world's abundant. I, one of the greatest things I have is I cheer for all winners to win. Right. I want you to win. I want Maverick Carter to win. I want Scooter Braun to win. I want winners to win. I watch all my friends who are winners talk shit at dinner about other people. I'm like, what's the matter with you? You're winning. Not as much as that person or you're worried that person's coming up and they're about to pass you. Like, if you worry about that, then build something. Don't sit here and talk shit about somebody. Go build. I wasn't doing it because I needed it as a chip. I was doing it because I love the process. Notice how earlier when you made that nice comment about Icon, I referenced it later in the podcast. Yeah. I'm still in it. Like, I'm trying to be the best of all time. Right. I'm like looking at, like from a business standpoint, I don't think I'll amass the wealth that Elon or Bezos or Zucks or even Sarah Blakely with Spanx or like there's people that I know will end up making more money than me. But I think I can be the greatest entrepreneur of all time because I gave the most back to the game. I also did my thing. I did buy the jets. I won super Bowl. like I got a lot to do, but like, I still like, I still like right now, 44 bro. When people think I'm a motivational speaker, it's the same way I feel when people looked at me when I was putting cases in their car. Oh, Got it? damn. I feel you. Got it? Yeah. I that. totally get it. And bro, let me just say this. Let me say this. Just trying to, I already won. I already fixed the game. I'd like to be all that. I'd like to buy the Jets. I'd like to. But the fact that I'm just going to play it until I stop breathing, it's already a wrap. Yeah. And that's what I want for everybody because that leads to fucking happiness and what the fuck are we doing out here? I mean, look at, have you ever met Elon before? Mm-mm. Oh, actually, <laughs> what am I talking about? And Michael Kivas just texted me while I'm doing this. My friend Michael Kivas, real baller at CAA, has his own company now, put together a small dinner several years ago, and I did actually. But I just, we didn't chop heavy. It was a small group of 10. Yeah, no, dude, we, seat, we, we had a one on one, and we got into a fight before the sit down and now he's like fuck Ben Baller and it wasn't about whatever it was I got locked in my Tesla I was and I missed my wife's birthday party <laughs> for 58 minutes and I recorded myself being locked in and he was so fucking pissed because it went on all the Tesla hater sites and went everywhere I was like bro I didn't go out there and promote it to fuck with you bro like what if my kids were in the car fuck you do you know what I mean especially my son yeah. was but all right look man I know these motherfuckers are probably like, but first of all, I'm having a b- the best. This is the best interview fucking I've ever done ever, and I'm having a great time. But let's give these fuckers what they wanted. Let's get into this motherfucking hobby. Dude, I've already heard the background and everything else, so I could throw those questions out. But I was going to ask you if you preferred basketball cards over baseball, but right now it's kind of like more just, you're just fucking with cards, period. And what's yeah, Poke- what's- you know, po- sports is my jam. Pokemon is very obviously going to do ridiculously well. Did you see so, my tweets today? You didn't see it. You see it. You, if you saw no. my, I tweeted. Bro, I, that's another thing, by the way. Like, obviously, this will be the starting point of us getting to know each other. Yeah. Bro, I'm the weirdest. I know everything that's going on with 100 million people, but I, ne- I never know what's going on with, like, one. It's the weirdest kind of don't thing. Don't worry like, about it. It's all good. I just tweeted no, no, out Pokemon like, today. Like, yeah. Yeah. Po- so, anyway, nonetheless, basketball and football, proper football, a.k.a. soccer, are, like, 
and like deep baseball prospects, that's that's where I get my juice from. Like I really want to buy like 40,000 of a baseball prospect nobody's ever heard of five years early and like have it hit like Kenny Lofton did for me as a kid. So I'm looking for that replication, some deep Bowman, not like Wander Franco or Jason Dominguez, some like deep shit that nobody's ever heard of and then hit it hard like Cody Bellinger, who was like a 200th best prospect and then became Cody Bellinger. Right. But vintage basketball is like, like my obsession. I think it's unbelievably underpriced. Um, vintage football, I think, is going to catch up because of it. Baseball is the besides hockey is my least from a vintage standpoint. I, I do very little modern. Almost everybody listening and in the game is modern. Quick flips, Tyler Hero, this, that, and the other thing. In modern, it is only people that I think have the potential to be top 50. In baseball, that's Acuna and Soto. In basketball, that's Giannis and LeBron. Well, LeBron's locked. But like, like, ja. you, like you know what the problem with Ja and Zion were for me this year? I own zero Zion and Ja rookies outside of a couple of random things that were pulled in packs. The production worries me. Yeah, I don't think people understand how much base prism was created this year. And next year's going to be even more. So for And by the way, both of them aren't locked for me. It's kind of like the earlier question what about, about Luca. Like, I mean, Luca's locked Luke, in, kind of. Luca's locked. Yeah, he's locked, bro. <laughs> he's locked, bro. Like, now listen, Luca could be Derrick Rose and Bo Jackson. Ooh, fuck. Got it? Yeah. Got it? This is Ben. Remember when I said I think about random sh- Like, this is where I'm fuck, strong. man. Jesus you see where Christ. I'm going? Yeah. Right? Like, Derrick, if this was the hobby was popping off like this, and I was in, like, and it was Derrick Rose's second year, I'd be a million deep into Derrick. Think Bo culture. Jackson, bro. I was a he Raiders was, fan, bro. Think that was my fucking guy, bro. Like Bo, Bo, Bo was where you know, like, listen, everyone's gonna shit on Giannis because of what just happened. Yeah, but like, this is why I'm excited. I, I don't know where he's at right now, but I'm like, can't wait for another month or two, and I'm just gonna buy. Like, he's a freak. Remember? Yeah. Like, people forget. And so, actually, you know what? Here's a little hot tip. You know who I'm most bullish on? Period. Period. Durant. Let me tell you why. No downside. He's already done it. He's already yeah. one of the 25 best players of all time. But he's he's young. Younger than people think. Come on, man. Kevin Durant is super young. He's a good friend of mine. We've done business. We've done other things. He's signed, I can't tell you how many jerseys for my kids. This KD, is like my boy, yeah. Yeah. We, KD, we, so you know him, and I know him a little something too. He's super, like, fun from, like, you know, all the shit he does on social and the way he rolls. It's a byproduct of, like, he's a unique dude. He's thoughtful. Rich, his business partner is fucking a legit Rich business for, person. Me and Rich been friends for 23 years, bro. Makes sense. So, you know, like all that. So it's all locked and loaded. Do not, let me just say this nice and slow. Do not let that man bring a championship to Brooklyn. I am writing this down right now. To buy, I don't own a KD rookie card. I'm looking at this bro, right now. Bro, KD rookie cards is like, and I've been public about it, which oh, is why, like, I'm not trying, like, it, bro, it's KD. Out of all the people I'm buying, it's KD because... Because he's got the most upside and downside. 100%. Like, like, limited downside. Like LeBron is is probably even better, but he's had so much of a growth. KD is all upside, no downside. And so like every time you know it's funny, my brain does this all the time. I'm so excited to invest in Giannis because everyone's down on him and I think he's all upside. But the reality is Giannis could Dan Marino Charles Barkley it. He could. He could not win a ring. He could just be a top 20 all-time player and not win a ring. 
KD's got rings. And by the way, I know how people like to shit on the rings. If you know anything about basketball, he was the best player on those teams. Of course, come on. Look at Mike Trout. Mike Trout hasn't fucking won a fucking ring yet. Correct. He has won a World Series. Ba- as you know, ba- basketball's different. I know it, trust me. But look, I'm the one who fucking bullies people. I'm like, I don't want to hear shit. You ain't got a ring. And they're like, yo, listen, Robert Ory has... Look, first of all, fuck you. Robert Ory is a fucking... He, he made some big plays. That's big shot Bob. But I get it. There's fucking dudes like Michael Madsen who has a... Not Michael Madsen. What the fuck is... Um, why the fuck am I drawing? Listen, big shot Bob is a big part of those teams, but he was never, ever the number one. No. He was never, ever really the number two. But he contributed, so at least he deserved, you know what I mean, being a part of the oh, process. he's a real guy. Yeah. He's a real, real guy. But, you know... I'm very, very, very excited about this podcast as well because I think we went into territories that might help somebody. 100%. Real quick, I know that you know that I'm sure you know, you know, I'm part of Project 2020. At one point, they didn't want me to be one of the artists. I was the last guy to come in. I'm the the highest selling artist in Project. I'm even lapping people by three, four, five times the print runs, which are not, it's not a good thing. But where it became a good thing was on, you know, autographs, certain things. And I know that you're not a fan of modern, you know, when it comes to, you know, and I get it. By the way, by the way, no, I want everybody to hear this though because we're, we're chopping. And that means nothing. Like on the record, like my opinion on modern, I hope carries as little weight as you, like you're right. For me, like I think about things very specifically. Like I, let me phrase, I love modern from the fun and, the, and by the way, the Project 2020 thing from a culture and art sample was really neat. Like, I didn't, I didn't go in on it, but, like, I thought it was really fun and cool and needed for the industry. Um, I think that um, it was a great, great project. I just knew it was going to be up, down, left, right. Like, it's the cliche thing that happened over scorecards in the last 30, 40 years. However, just like I think the insert set I did for Tops the year before at the National – if I go on to be who I want to become professionally, that's going to be a good buy. If you, you know, like I, somebody asked me, they're like, I'm, as you know, we don't know each other like that really yet. And I'm excited to do that over the next 40 years. People are like, yo, should I invest in this baller stuff? And I told my best friends, I'm like, listen, you need to make a decision on where you think Ben is going to be over the next 40 years. If Ben matters and Ben goes on to be culturally relevant for the next 40 years, then it's going to really work. Yeah. If Ben Ben like falls into family life and disappears because that's what makes Ben happy, as he should, well, then you've got to worry about market demands. So like that's how I think about that shit. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And, you know, I just dropped my Topps Chrome set. I'm the only fucking person that's ever done a Chrome set for Topps. And, and you know, it's, it's going crazy. People are going nuts and whatever. And I'm like, look, I don't want this shit to be hot than cold. So I'm doing the right things I did in the sneaker game and what I saw, and I'm using some of those same like procedures to, to make sure this, this stays where it is. But anyways, uh, for the everyday sports car collector, right, that listening to the show right now, I've gained an enormous amount of hobby uh, people, and even this new hybrid fucking sneaker collector that jumped into the thing, when is the right time for these guys to sell their cards? Like, is there any kind of trick or any kind of like tip you can give of them for course. that? Of course. Uh, let's go micro macro micro the second you don't believe in the guy that you have cards on right damn whether that's your random opinion the same way i know you're gonna go buy a bunch of kds because what i'm saying is logic <laughs> like he's in new york in the biggest market he was hurt while this all exploded so nobody's paying attention 
he's really good. Like he's one of the three to seven best players in the world. Like people forgot, forgot, forgot. You know, to be frank, he could be, I, at the time of the injury, I thought he was the best player in the world. Yeah. So, you know, and, you know, and by the way, like the Nets have like a little bit of a complimentary player thing going on. Like that could get real good, real fast there. You know, it's going to really matter his chemistry with Kyrie because we've seen the, you know, dynamic duos flop. So it's all chemistry and we'll see that play out. Um, they're boys like that off the field. Let's see what happens on the court. So it's this flip side. Like, Bro, like, I'm still a huge fan of Sam Darnold, and he did not have a fun day last week, and it's now year three, and I, I know that he's younger than Joe Burrow. He hasn't played a lot of football. I believe in him. He's got no – he's got real issues last year with offensive line and, and weapons. This year, weapons, like, I believe in him. But if you told me somebody yesterday who's an investor used yesterday's game as the decision to divest in Darnold, I would understand it, and I would recommend it. Right, like if once you don't believe in somebody, you have to move. That's the micro. Okay. Right. You decide. People are gonna learn. If Tyler Hero isn't one of the fifty best players of all time, it's not a good long term hold. For sure. He could be a great player. He could be Dominique fucking Wilkins, and it won't work out with the amount of supply made, except for his super limited cards. Comma. On the macro. You got to watch the macro market. You got to, do you feel that people are still coming on board? Let me give you a reason why I'm very bullish on the sports card and collectible market. YouTube, as you know, because I saw the ages of the kids, YouTube is where all these kids decide what they care about. Yeah. The young, young, young kids, like your kids. Like, I'm not talking about 13, 14, 15, 16, where you can go to TikTok and Instagram and there's other factors. I'm talking young, young. The amount of seven and eight-year-olds that are getting into sports cards because of pack breaking on YouTube is enormous. Yeah. All those little seven and eight-year-old fuckers are going to be 14, and the ones that are hustlers like you and me, they're going to be about this game. Totally. So, like, the pipeline is all the sneakerheads are coming. I'm getting hit up by all of them. All the 45-year-old, you know, holy shit, this is cool now. I can do it. Even, like, the climbings in that. They're coming. They're all coming. You know this. Yeah. So, I think it's... I think it's just starting inevitably in 18 months, 36 months, 48 months. I think longer because of the seven, eight year olds. So there's going to be demand for a while, but like you got to decide when you think the whole thing is softening and you got to decide when, if you're a day trader, I buy and hold. But if, if I was flipping like vintage basketball is down 10, 20% right now yeah. because basketball is kind of wrapping up. Here comes football. Like it makes sense. It was super hot. And if I was a flipper, maybe you sell now and you rebuy in January and December when basketball's coming back. Like, you could do whatever. Like, it's common sense. Dude, look, man. Everything you're spitting is so real. This could be a 19-hour interview. I got two real quick things I wanted to say to you. But before we even get into that, bro, for me to have 2,000 items or something and it sells out in two minutes, I almost think I'm being set up. Do you know what I mean? I think that's something that's fucking wrong. Like, this is just, it's mind-blowing to me how much demand there is right now in the game and everything. Um, But yeah, so, so one thing real quick. With that said, with the micro macro, all right, and then going back to Mike Trout didn't wear, you know, he hasn't won a World Series yet. I don't know if they will. Who knows? What do you think about my boy Vegas Dave, right? He sold his Mike Trout rookie Super Factor for $3.9 million. Who, what the fuck does that person do with that card? With the 3.9? Yeah, the dude who paid $3.9 million. Like, does that card go to five? Let me give you what I would do. If I bought it for 3.9, and that's, 
not the kind of card I'm buying because I'm thinking so long term. So I'm buying a Will Chamberlain or Bill Russell or Jordan stuff. Like that's where I would go. But if I'm buying the Trout, I, Gary, feel comfortable. Here's why. And let me tell you why I don't feel comfortable. Uh, Let me give a different answer. The LeBron that was bought. That feels amazing to me. Right. Because because I know that basketball matters in 25 years. Baseball concerns me. Wow. So the 3-9 doesn't scare me at all because if all the press that that card got, it's like now the card. The press alone made that card worth more post-it than pre-it. Right? Yeah. No, you're they, right. Insane so, press. So that card becomes something in, in modern pop culture. So in 20 years or 30 years or 40 years, the next big – because this is the wave that happened in the mid-80s. And rest assured, in 2046, in 2032, in 2051, after a dip, this hobby, because it's been around for 100-plus years. This isn't fucking Bitcoin, right? Is going to have a moment, and that three nine is going to be eleven. Holy shit! Got it. Yeah. So for me, buy. That's why I'm buying Dr. J. Like I think basketball is becoming like the culture, the most important sport, the thing, and every kid that's 15 is more esports of basketball and soccer than they are even football, baseball, and hockey. So that's how I'm betting. I'm 44 years old. And what's going to be good at 66 when this comes back? Will this go for five years? Then it's quiet for 10 and then it comes back? Well, good. In 15 years, I'm only fucking 57 and I'm ready to fucking take the Jordan rookies I bought for 100000 and sell them for 600000 because that's how inflation, supply and demand works. Got it? Yeah. I mean, bro, that, that's great advice. And uh, it's crazy because... I haven't bought anything new except Bull Bull because I'm kind of like his uncle. I've been around since he was 13, and, and uh, I just think he's going to get his moment. I do have a lot of faith in him. I just, you know, but as far as vintage, you know, I've always had a Kobe. I've had a Kobe rookie. I've had a Fleer, you know, uh, Bro, Jordan way, rookie. By the way, the Kobe Chrome right now, I haven't looked, but I know it's been down the last couple of weeks. I've been very focused dude, on post. It's like yeah, 2600 No, no, that's the tops. The Chrome. The Kobe Chrome PSA 10. This card, damn. One went on September 11th for 9900 There's a 9697 Topps Chrome PSA 10 Kobe that is right now hovering over at 11 to 12. It got up to like 15, 16. I'm obsessed with oh, that fuck. Right now. That's a good like number. That's, that's the Kobe. I like that number that, too. I like 12. I, I like think, 11. Yeah, exactly. And I think that Kobe's a 50 spot in the next 20 years. And for me... A guaranteed 12 being a guaranteed 50 in the next 20 is exciting. It's yeah. a good return. I'm not mad at that at all. Correct. And you hook, unlike a stock or, or a piece of real estate that might go up better over that 20 years, I get to play with the Kobe. I get to hold the 10 of them. No, I get to sure. show people. You know, it's fun. For sure, man. Um, my, the last question I ask every single guest who comes on my show. Everyone gets it asked, and you kind of already asked me a question already, but is, is there anything you want to ask me? And you already have, so I feel like, yo, man. That's cool. I'll ask something else. Let me ask this. If it all disappears, like if everything went mute, if you're the only person on earth, and not from a negative of like the wife and the kids, but just like stay with me here. If you could kind of 
do anything you wanted to do. Like, in any way, like, full control. Like, what would you do? Like, like let me give you my answer and then it'll maybe help you. In my depths of depths, I'm not sure that not my favorite thing to do is to wake up on a Saturday morning, get a coffee, and go garage sailing for six hours. Like, just the genuine happiness that that gives me is real. Like, what kind of, like, thing would, like, back to what I love, the process, the game. For me, that's the thrill of the hunt. Get up early, have knowledge, go through, be dirty, go through people's trash, find a $55 starter jacket for three bucks. Like, it puts all the elements, the thrill of the hunt, you know, like, all, like, I can out-dirty people, out-knowledge people. Like, what's your thing like that? Well, I have two answers. Here, I, I have two answers. Okay, one, if it's, you're saying garage sale, then let me give something to say that. And I know it sounds crazy, but I had a drug problem at one point. I would go and help a bunch of people who were anywhere between, you know, 16 to 40, get off drugs and just, just help them get off drugs because it almost killed me. And I realized that I had so much to live and there's so many young people dying, you know, like people that are just I'm like, bro, you ain't fucking seen life yet. The fuck are you talking about? Okay, great. You fucked a thousand girls and you know, you've done this. You just, that, that don't mean shit. That means nothing. You haven't seen like really seen, you know, no matter how much you think. So that'd be, that'd be one thing I would mm-hmm. love. I would want to genuinely help people get off drugs. If it's like what I'd want to do and, and there really was nobody else, I'd want to fucking beat the land speed record on a car. I'd be in the salt flat that somewhere awesome. going like, I'd want to do 300 miles per hour on a car, 400 miles per hour on a car, Good you know, you. and just, you know, and just keep going as fast as I could, um, you know, and race planes, shit. I don't know. <laughs> Good for you. The adrenaline of that stuff. I don't have, my adrenaline comes like, what I see people, you know, skydiving, racing 300, I literally get that rush pulling up to the house, going to the national, being a schmata dirt flipper. Like, it's, it's just my being. Gary, thank you so much for everything, bro. And uh, we'll, we'll talk soon, man. Can't wait. Stay well. Thank you, brother. All right, guys. That was motherfucking Gary V. And um, goddamn, man, it's fucking crazy. Uh, yo, Miles, man, throw on some music and let's get into this outro. Yo, yo, so we're back, man. Uh, let's talk betting. All right, guys. Winning season returns at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. All right, guys. We went eight and four last week, including Monday Night Football against the spread. That means we know what the fuck we're talking about over here at Behind the Baller Brain Trust. Okay. Get in on the action. Use promo code BALLER and double up your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play. That is designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet on. All right, time for our picks against the spread. And when I say lock, you better go bet now before the line moves because the points are off to me. All right, you already know I came up on that Seahawks game last week. Thursday night action tonight isn't the easiest choice, but look, I'm going to go Bengals plus six over the Browns. All right. That's just a fucking, that's just a doo-doo-ass game. I'm not going to lie to you. Okay. Sunday slate. Rams in a pick over the Eagles. That's a lock. All right. Panthers plus nine over the Buccaneers. That is a lock. Cowboys minus 4.5 over the Falcons. Niners minus seven over the Jets. Bills 
minus six over the Dolphins. Vikings, plus three over the Colts. Packers, minus six over the Lions. Giants, plus five and a half over the Bears. Jaguars, plus eight and a half over the Titans. Cardinals, minus 6.5 over Washington. I think that is a lock. Ravens, minus seven over the Texans. That's a lock. Chiefs, minus nine over the Chargers. And then Sunday night motherfucking action. Seahawks, minus four over the Patriots. Fuck Bill Belichick. That is a lock. Okay. Then we got Monday night football. We got the Raiders. I like the Raiders plus six over the Saints. Okay. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use promo code BALLER and double your first deposit at mybookie.ag. Your winning season begins today only at mybookie.ag. Okay? All right. Now, on to the motherfucking hobby. Yesterday, I tweeted that I got an AP because my Bob Kitson card dropped and I got an AP, right? And a lot of the fools that know me and that, you know, follow me, they thought I meant to watch. And I wasn't even thinking about a watch the entire time. I was like, yo, I finally got a fucking AP, which is an artist proof. And when you know I wasn't talking about a watch and I'm talking about some cards, you know the motherfucking hobby is back, back. So, um, yeah, my Bob Gibson is available for a sale. Uh, it's on sale until 10 a.m. tomorrow. So, look, this is a card that is never been super popular as far as the player. I'm sorry, Bob Gibson has never been super popular in Project 2020. That doesn't mean anything. I love this card so fucking much. It just is so clean. The pink on it, I really kept that OG format. You know what I'm saying? Just threw a little bit of my BBDTC sauce on there and, you know, threw that vintage Missouri postcard. You know, so it has an arch on it. You know, I'm just showing St. Louis some love. Much love to St. Louis. Anybody from St. Louis on this podcast, let me know. Anybody really from St. Louis with a St. Louis address, send a fucking email to behindtheballerpod at gmail.com and I will send you a Bob Gibson card. Um, by the way, I'm running a raffle. I'm going to give away a 14 karat gold Cuban link chain. You can choose, the winner can choose white gold, rose gold, yellow gold. I'm going to pick the winner next week, okay? All you got to do is buy one $20 base card. That's all you got to do. And as soon as you buy one, you are entered into the contest, all right? Now, you could buy multiples. The more you, you buy, the better your chances are, okay? And again, yes, someone won the Cuban... Um, this week with the Tony Gwynn card, you know, I gave a box away of a BBDTC away for the Ted Williams doing giveaways for every single card up until Griffey. And that's when I'm giving away a $20,000 fully iced out Seattle Mariners S logo chain. It's going to be fucking crazy. Okay. Now tomorrow or this weekend, I may drop a hundred packs of my Chrome set. Again, I'm thinking about it, but if I do, just, you know, obviously stay close to my Twitter and my IG stories. If I do, I'm going to drop it this time in silver autos, right? I dropped 100 last time for $111 each pack, and they were gold autographs. I'm going to do them for $100, and they're going to be in silver autographs. And look, the amount of insane heat that I've been seeing on Twitter and eBay is tremendous. There is a motherfucking Mike Trout 150 gold refractor autograph that is going to break a G easy. That shit's going to break a G ball, no problem. Like, 
It's crazy. Some of the some of my die cuts are going for like eight hundred. Motherfucking Cena Mookie bets refractor like a one ninety nine refractor like a one of ninety nine break four hundred for my boy Ivan. Um, I've seen other base cards hitting for like one fifty two hundred. It's crazy. Okay, so just know that my Ben Baller tops Chrome boxes are blazing hot. Do not sleep. All right, guys. Shit is really, like right now, that is the hottest thing in the hobby. Don't let anybody tell you shit. As far as modern cards, yo, my Topps Chrome set is crazy, okay? So now, ladies and gentlemen, I I need to let you guys know that I will be in San Francisco from October 1st to October 4th. I'm going to be all over the motherfucking Bay Area. I got to handle some business. I'll be there recording the podcast, of course. I'm going to be handling Ben Ball to the strain business. I'm going to be all over the fucking place. But it is the first time that I'm going to be in the Bay in six months since the pandemic started. And obviously, I'm going to be driving. So I have my motherfucking whip out there. I'm going to have my blapper on me as well. But, uh, you know, I'll be out there with my assistant. I'm going to be out there handling biz. And I'm excited. You know, I hate fucking driving. But again, it's not. there's not really any options. You know, I'm taking this shit serious. I'm going to treat it as if I was in L.A. Um, if I were to fly private, I'd still have to fucking get no car stuff. It's not shit like, fuck this. I want to be running around and I'll get up to the fuck. I'll get up to San Francisco. It'll be a five-hour drive, even with the stop, okay? So if you do see me in the streets of the Bay Area in SF or Berkeley or some shit, look, don't be mad if I don't shake your hand. You know, we could do a look at a little air pound or something. But yo, check it out. I'm doing a special city attack drop only for the Bay Area. That is it. I'm doing a one of 10 Bay Area box. Okay. One of 10 and that's it. Inside this box, you will get a very super limited edition 41510 BBDTC white T. Okay. I only made 12 of them. 10 are going in these boxes. Two is going to me. All right. You get one of 30 blue Autograph seal packs, BBDTC Chrome packs, all right? There's going to be three packs in each box, okay? You're going to get three packs, and they're going to be of one of 30 numbered in blue paint ink, right? Autographed, Ben Baller, brand new packs of BBDTC Chrome, all right? So you're going to get three seal packs right there. That's already over $300 motherfucking dollars all day long. The T, come on, man. Super limited, and his T is fire. All right, you get two BBDTC Chrome autograph cards per box. Okay, you get to choose between the A's or the SF Giants. Okay, all autographs will be authenticated by Beckett Grading Services, aka BGS. All right, that right there, at least six hundred dollars. You already know my autographs worth something, you know. And, and and I'm not really signing a lot of Topps Chrome shit. And it's be the it'll be the first stuff. The first autographs of any Topps Chrome that will be authenticated and have the sticker and the certificate and everything by BGS. All right. I'm going to throw in a BBDTC lighter. Okay. You're going to get a BBDTC sanitizer. And of course, I'm going to throw in some Ben Baller to the chain stickers. All right. But now here's the kicker I will be giving these to each buyer personally. All right. In San Francisco, right? I will be meeting five people on Friday the 2nd, and then I'm going to meet another five people on Saturday the 3rd, all right? I'm going to give each of you 15 to 20 minutes to chop it up. 
You could ask me anything the fuck you want to. If you don't want to talk, you want to dab, you want to just take a pic or whatever, cool. Please make sure you wear a mask. If you don't wear a mask, you'll be talking to my personal assistant and I need you to bring your ID to claim your purchase because we want to make sure there's no fraud and none of that shit, right? Each person that limited it to pics or two videos or something, I'd rather you guys, you know, talk about shit. The picture's only gonna take a fucking couple seconds, okay? I haven't done a meet and greet like this ever, okay? This is a special thing, so check it out. Like, when it comes to this, you know, it's a thousand bucks for the secret box, right? For the special box. There's only 10 boxes, but how I look at it is the merch, like, inside the box, the box and the merch, that's free, okay? You're really paying for the conversation and the game and my time, all right? So understand, there might be one or two available, I think, as of recording this, I don't really know. I know that there was a bunch and my assistant to get back to all the me emails, and I know there was a bunch of emails, but who knows? Some people might not be available. I don't know what the fuck it is, and it could be sold out. I mean, again, I know we, we had at least 50 emails of inquiries last night and this morning, but again, you know, the merch and the box is free. You are paying for the conversation and my time. Just go to bbdtc.com. And speaking of time, I am fresh out of it. All right, my voice is getting raspy and shit. Look, I want to thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, if you did, please tell a friend to tell a friend and please hit that subscribe button. All right, y'all. Always remember to make it a great day. And always remember, this is not your practice life. Yo, we are out of here. Yo, Lakey, man. Appreciate you, bro. Take us to the crib, my G. All right, y'all. Peace.